Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we are talking about Tangled. I am Briar Harvey. I have three kids, a 17-year-old daughter, a almost eight-year-old son, and an almost two-year-old son. And we met each other. Where did we meet each other? We met each other on the internet, on Reddit, yeah. So is that going to be one of those things where, like, you know how for years and years people would say that they met each other, like, on a dating app, and it was like, they would come up with, like, a different story for it? Are we going to have to tell people, like, oh, no, we know each other in real life, even though we live across the country? But we've (laughs) never met. (laughs) Not physically, no. My name... Yeah, and my name is Sarah. I have a four-year-old son. Okay, so what we're doing is we're going to walk through the movie in a roundabout sort of fashion, and we'll stop as we go along with little points that we've talked about as needing closer examination. So this movie is a Disney film, and it starts out with a standard Disney introduction. We get the 50th anniversary sequence, and it is narrated by Flynn Rider. It is, this is the story of how I died. So we're not even going to get to go very far, because I want to talk about boy marketing. With this movie in particular, they started the trend of using the male characters to sell princess movies. So as moms of boys, I feel we have lots of places where we can talk about this. Absolutely. It's it's kind of like a double-edged sword for me. Um, just like initially, my thoughts on it are, as somebody who grew up watching Disney movies, when I first saw this happening, I was like, oh no, they didn't. They did not change the name of the Rapunzel movie, to Tangled. Like, just call it Rapunzel. (laughs) Not only did they change the name of the movie, in the original trailer, which I'll link in the show notes, they don't even say her name. Yeah. So we... There's a lot of actual action that happens that doesn't happen in the film either. Right. But we see Rapunzel and Flynn, and they're doing this whole thing with the hair, but we never hear her name. We never really have an idea of what the movie is even about. Right. And you don't see her. You barely see her. No. I don't even know if she has a speaking part in that trailer. And the other thing I noticed was that that action sequence in it is like hyped up. I think if you played it side by side with the way the actual action sequence, that exact scene is cut in the movie, it would be, I don't know if it's just the soundtrack that they used for it or what, but I really would love to go back and watch those two scenes side by side, the scene from the trailer and the scene in the actual movie, because it's like a serious action sequence in the trailer. And it doesn't float that way for me in the movie at all. No, this is... So it's interesting. This movie is very much... It's it's really, it's a love story. Let's, mm-hmm. let's call a spade a spade here. Yeah. This movie is a love story. And yet they sold it as something else entirely. And 
it's interesting because I only think they partially got away with it. Like, right. it's obvious from if you go onto YouTube and you look at some of the songs that are just clips. The, the comments seem to indicate that people are like, this movie was not well received. And it's the, you know, it's the Disney movie that nobody talks about. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But it, I mean, it's not the Princess and the Frog levels of not talked about, which is such an untalked about movie. It's what led to the marketing of movies like Tangled being Correct. geared towards boys. Correct. Because that will be the boys last movie. Wouldn't see the princess right. and the frog. And right. It's hard to blame Disney on this from a marketing perspective because I know if you're making a movie and you'd like it to be seen by your entire audience, you've got to do something to get it seen. Right. And exactly. if boys won't see the princess and the frog, then right. you have to do something. But it's interesting. We'll talk more about Flynn as we go on because Flynn is maybe not the best role model here. But I do also want to like, like, slide in as a hashtag boy mom which I hate <laughs> if you ever see me using that hashtag please let me know um, I like though that they have shifted focus to be more of an ensemble focus in their movies uh -huh. I like that there's almost equal time given to Flynn and Rapunzel in this movie it does make it more of uh, an appeal to the masses situation. My son loves this movie. Mine he, do too. Both he of He has sat through I mean the golden age of Disney. So we're talking like Beauty and the Beast uh, The Little Mermaid um, what else falls in there? Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid Pocahontas, all of right. those he's maybe watched once they don't hold the appeal to him but throwing it into this kind of narrative, he wants to watch these movies. Well, and that's true of the later ones, too. I would say the same thing of Moana. I would oh, absolutely. Even, yeah. Even Brave, which mm -hmm. at its heart is a story about a mother and a teenage daughter and yeah. nothing else, really. But even right. Brave went over fairly well with the almost eight-year-old. So, yeah, right. it's... The marketing towards more boys does help a little bit, I think. Right. So, the Disney purist in me got a little ruffled in the feathers, but the realist in me understands why it happens. Um, I actually took a trip to Walt Disney World. Oh, it must have. It was two thousand. 2005 2006 and in their animation studio area where you go and you like draw with an animator they had all like the posters for upcoming movies and I very specifically remember seeing one for this being super excited and it was titled Rapunzel Unbraided <laughs> so you know and then it took forever before this movie actually came out. Because that was 2005, 2006, I think. There's an article, actually, I think it may be in the article with the original trailer. They're talking, they talk about uh, 
brave and they talk about um i think it's frozen and frozen was originally titled the ice queen so we know that they made some changes there too because the ice queen would not have sold to a boy audience oh absolutely not so and frozen obviously we had olaf and and none of them are well well i'm sure we'll talk about frozen in the yeah i'm sure we'll have to do frozen there's another one coming we may actually have to go and see that one yeah (laughs) okay so let's start at the beginning we've got the drop of sunlight becoming a flower with amazing healing powers and mother gothel which is gethel in german why he dropped the e i'm not sure but it's mother gothel hides the flower and then soldiers use the flower to heal the sick queen queen gives birth to rapunzel gothel hides her away because she discovers that rapunzel's hair has the flower's healing properties and that cutting her hair destroys its power i have to say before Mother Gothel even, like, came in the window, that king and queen should have had some questions about what was going on with their infant daughter's rate of hair growth. I mean, let's assume that she is, at most, six months old here. Because we did the lanterns for her birthday, and we're guessing it's 17 or so years later after her abduction. It doesn't actually say, but we're guessing. Six months old, that's some hair, yeah. That, that, I wish I had that hair. I wish I had that hair now, right? Right. (laughs) That is some gorgeous baby hair. (laughs) So, we can't cut the gorgeous baby hair, and Gothel decides to steal the baby. And also, I'm like, king and queen, why are there not better locks on the windows? It was no a simpler the, time. I guess. No guards, no, really? No they nothing? Lived, they lived in an island fortress. How much crime do you think there was? I, oh. I guarantee you they got locks on the windows after that. That's all I'm, I'm saying. Sure, I'm sure. So Gothel takes the baby and raises her as her own in an isolated tower. Who who built the tower? Who built the tower? Okay, because I have... we get we get the impression that Mother Gothel has some amount of magic. Does she? Does she really? Or is it like the only magical thing that happens to her stroking the hair and getting infinite like youth? Because so I have theories. Do we see? Okay. I have theories. In the original fairy tale, Gothel is actually a witch. It's very clear that she's Mm -hmm. a witch. But here, I think she's just a witch of a woman. And she's just witchy. Right. We don't see Rapunzel in the tower until she's singing the song herself. So what, maybe four years old? And if you look in that scene, like there's a spinning wheel, but there's not much of anything else. I'd be willing to bet money that Gothel conned some men because she was With her womanly wiles. With her womanly witchy wiles. Build me a tower here out in the middle of nowhere in the woods where no one can find it. She probably killed them afterwards. I mean, 
let's be real. If we're gonna, that's yeah. probably what happened. It's not beneath her. No. Okay, so then the king and queen release the Sky Lanterns on Rapunzel's birthday every year, hoping for their daughter to see them in return. And we cut to 17-ish years later, much, much longer hair, and Rapunzel is going to ask Gothel to see the lanterns that appear on her birthday. But first, our introduction to her is her I Wish song. Um, when which is will like a my standard. life begin? That an I Wish song is like a big deal in musicals. Like every musical has one. You could probably find, like you can, Alexander Hamilton is the song from Hamilton. That is yes. an I Wish song. Moana has an I Wish song. Beauty and the Beast has an I Wish song. Every musical in that this is a thing musical theater standard has an I Wish song. Yes. And her I Wish song is, you know, it's recounting her day, which sounds incredibly boring. But unless you're on an one introvert, hand, unless well, you're an introvert, yeah. because like I heard that song the first time and was like, that sounds like a pretty good day to me. As long as the books are not the same books. And I think the books are the same books. She that, has like four books. She has four books. She reads the same four books 83 times a day. That would not fly well with me. But if I had a Kindle with exactly. fresh books, that is yep. my idea of a fantastic day. Throw me in a tower with a Kindle and I will sew as many dresses as I need to for a chameleon. Right? <laughs> Sounds like a good day. So she asks to leave the tower, and Gothel refuses because the world is a dangerous place. So we have to talk about Donna Murphy a little bit, who you might know from... Okay, this is probably the most controversial thing I'm going to say all episode from my favorite Star Trek movie, Insurrection. <laughs> Well, you're going to get a pass from me because I have never watched oh, any of the Star Trek movies. You're a geek and failure fast. here, in other words. Well, so I feel like geeks fall along one line or another, and you're either Star Trek or Star Wars, right? Or you're obsessed with both and can make universe right. comparisons. That is sure. also a possibility. <laughs> I will tell you, though, I did not find out until after we were married that my husband is a Star Trek nerd. And How I told him... How could you not know that beforehand? That's what I said. How has this just come up now? <laughs> <laughs> so, my knowledge of Star Trek is very minimal. Basically, only what comes up in the public consciousness. You know, those things that you find out later. Oh, that was a Star Trek reference. I may I may have to fix this for you, but we <laughs> have time. So, Donna Murphy was in an Insurrection, which is not people's favorite movie in the Next Gen series. It is the one they love to hate the most. But I really liked it, and she was a great character in it. And here... She plays, gotta be, the most sadistic narcissist on the planet. Like, I don't know, she can do things with her voice that literally make me have a sensory reaction. Now, I did not have a good relationship with my mother, or my stepmother, or my father. 
And I may or may not have heard some of these things verbatim as a child, but it's... This is a pretty visceral reaction for, I think, me, and I've talked to other people who have watched this movie who have said it's a hard watch. I've heard that, too. Um, I've definitely heard that. So, after we meet Rapunzel and Gothel tells her she's never leaving the tower, Flynn and the Stabbington brothers go to steal the crown from the palace. Can we talk about Flynn Rider again for a minute? Okay, we can always talk I, about Flynn Rider. He's a very great, like, we're going to get into whether or not he can be, like, a, a role model character. But I just want to say, and I think Disney understands this, because when they created Flynn, they actually put together, like, a focus group of 30 Disney staffers to pick attractive <laughs> men. <laughs> And that's how they came up with the model for him. And the directors wanted to make him the most handsome and most attractive male lead Disney has ever had. And I have to say... That actually makes the whole bit with the nose on the drawings... That actually makes it even funnier. Yes. Because Because knowing that they focus grouped him, they focus grouped him. (laughs) And I, I will say... That I do find Flynn Rider to be the most attractive Disney male lead. I would have to actually put some thought into that, but I'm going to go with you on that right now, just on surface level impressions, yes. I mean, I would say that maybe, like, the chin strap, uh, facial hair is a little dated at this point, but... Who's to say he wouldn't grow with the times? Perhaps. Perhaps. (laughs) And then I like one of my favorite things about kids animated anything is IDing voice actors. Yeah, me too. That's such a fun game. It's my it's it keeps me entertained when I'm watching things for the one thousand and one time. Um, but I love that the Stabbington brothers are well. He's credited as the Stabbington brothers, but later in the but movie, he, the other one talks, and it's not Ron Perlman. Does so the other just, one talk? So the it's, other one, yeah, the one with the eye patch. I have not identified any dialogue from him. Where does he speak? At the very end, when Flynn has the rescue out of the jail, it's the other one that talks to him. Really? Right. I'll have to watch that scene again. So As though I haven't watched this I know, movie a, thousand a times. dozen times, at least in the last three days. Right. So up to that point, I believe only Ron Perlman's character speaks for the the pair. Um, the other thing I like about IDing like famous people as voice actors is that I can like turn around and present other things to my son and be like, Oh, but remember you loved that guy in this movie. It's the same guy doing the voice in this movie. And he'll be like more interested in it. And that gives me more options instead of watching the same movie a thousand and one times. Granted, I don't know what I would present to him as here is Ron Perlman and something else at this stage in life. I mean, it's not like you can give him Hellboy or anything, so... Right, or City of Lost Children. Can't do that yet. But But maybe someday. (laughs) I will say, 
I use uh, Wash. Um, what's his name? Alan Tudek. It's Tyudic. I've actually I, I heard know. him say his name aloud. I know. I know. <laughs> but I use him a lot because he's, he's in Ice Age. He's and in he's everything. obviously the chicken in Moana. Yes. So he, he works. He gets around is what I'm well, saying. He gets I around like and he works as a voice actor. At this point, Disney needs to put him in every animated film because he's been in all of their animated <laughs> films. And like, and so at first it was just coincidence. Like, oh, he's playing the Duke of Wesselton and now he's the mayor of Weaseltown. And now he is king in the candy game in Wreck-It Ralph. And oh, let's just make him the chicken voice in Moana. So going forward, we have to, he has to be there because when you make him the chicken voice in Moana, you are saying Disney is acknowledging that you know you have to have Alan Tudyk in He's your film. Almost like what's his name? Ratzenberger? The Oh yeah, John Ratzenberger, right? Yes. Yeah, the pig. <laughs> Amongst other things, he's been in all of the Pixar yes. films. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, we have Rapunzel and Flynn together in the tower. And Flynn <clears throat> comes in and... I don't know. I think I think he thinks he's going to charm her instantly. That, that seems obviously to be... I, that obviously doesn't work, so she bashes him over the head with a She doesn't pan. fall for the smolder. She doesn't fall for the smolder, although the smolder line is very funny. Then she convinces him to escort her to see the lanterns because she knows what they are now. But first she tries on the crown. Oh, that's right. She does. She tries on the crown. Her crown. She doesn't and know she doesn't it's her know crown. That. And then they leave the tower and... So this is this is how you can tell like it's the study in narcissism. So Rapunzel leaves and she's glad to have escaped, but she also does that whole thing with the mother is going to kill me. Mhm. Mm and I think that's where you kind of have to ask the question, what does healthy separation anxiety look like? So my daughter is almost 18. She'll be 18 in September. And she's autistic, so that makes things different. But there are these times where I have to, like, push her out into the world to go and explore and learn things, and times where she doesn't want to, and times where she'd rather be home. And when I compare that to my experience of fleeing the tower, the locked tower... And, like, I did a lot of drugs, man. <laughs> I, that, that's the part of Rapunzel that we don't get. The part where Rapunzel goes and does Rebels. a lot of drugs. And she, gets, like, a tattoo. And, and right? She, yeah. I mean, we go and we hang out with the thugs and we sing a song and that's great. But what we're missing is the tattoo and the snorting cocaine yeah. in the gross, dirty bathroom and possibly so, having sex with strangers. Are you saying that like real life Rapunzel would have spent more time at the fuzzy duck or the snuggly duckling? I, I think that she might have. Yes. I think that real life Rapunzel would have rebelled and, 
Maybe the charming would have been accurate, but then she would have stayed there and maybe gotten a little bit stuck if if there weren't the lanterns. I mean, when you don't have that kind of dream or vision or goal. Right. So you think her dream of the lanterns is what saved her from that? Yes. I think it's what saved her from a lot of things, to be yeah. honest. I she think, had a goal. Yes, she had a goal, a plan. And then we're getting to the snuggly duckling. Which Rapunzel says specifically that she is afraid of ruffians. And Flynn knows immediately where he has to take her because all he wants to do is drop her like yesterday's news and, and get his get the crown crown back he just right. wants the crown back he wants her to go back he doesn't want to go on this journey with her which again is this is where you have to look at flynn really critically because his behavior here is freaking terrible man oh, yeah, he's i awful. mean here's this girl who has never left her tower he right. can obviously tell that something is not is right about in her a tower with no doors she has no shoes we never really comment on this but she yes. never has shoes and no one ever offers her shoes no but she's and i noticed barefoot. too that if you look at her like costume design her dress doesn't fit her no. It's like she grew out of it been like five years dress. ago. Yeah. That's that's the sense I get of it is that it was new at one point yeah. in time and that Gothel doesn't really take care of her no. in those sorts of ways. Why right. would she? I th- and so I think this, this version of the dress with the short arms and it's mm-hmm. obviously too short in length and she's mm-hmm. not wearing shoes, but it's still clean and like pretty. This is Disney creating a dress for a princess while also still <laughs> keeping a mind on marketing. Well, and the story that they're trying to tell. And right. the story that they're trying to tell there is that she's been kept in a tower and not mm-hmm. really cared for. Mm-hmm. But she goes to the snuggly duckling and instead of being afraid of the ruffians <laughs> she gets them all to open up <laughs> they sing a song i mean and i realize this too is classic disney but there's something so optimistic about yeah. it right yeah absolutely it's i mean it, it's I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a good life lesson for children, and it's telling you not to judge a book by its cover. There you go. Because Absolutely. these mean, scary guys have just, they all have a dream. And they their dream isn't dream. to be a ruffian. Their dream is to be a mime. Or Gunther does interior design. And my favorite is the guy who collects ceramic unicorns. <laughs> Now we are at the fuzzy, snuggly duckling, snuggly duckling, we're singing a song, (laughs) everyone is charmed, and Maximus shows up in search of Flynn, and then they escape down that tunnel. Maximus, who is a horse, by the way. I know. A non-speaking horse, who in this world is is just a horse. He's not like a magical horse. No, he's just a horse, but he's also apparently a scent hound. I mean... Yeah. Well, I feel like this this um, experience 
is what makes Maximus the horse he is. Prior to this, <laughs> he was just another horse. And this is when he really got to, like, shine. This was his crowning This was his day in the sun. Mm-hmm. It was the day that he, I guess, almost caught Flynn Rider. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even catch him. Or he caught him, but then he escaped with him. So Yeah, but throughout the process, he curries favor with the, the princess. And That's it's true. Just, you know, and at the end, he's leading, like, an entire battalion. Well, it does pay to I, a battalion s- of suck people. up to the princess, I guess. Even <laughs> if you don't know that. I mean, it just it, it worked out in his favor yeah, is what we're saying. He's very lucky. He has a very specific set of skills. So they're in the quarry or whatever. And Rapunzel gives Flynn the frying pan. And Maximus has the sword. And they have that whole... Sword amazing fight amazing sword fight amazing sword fight <laughs> i can't even say the line without attempting an awful flynn rider well then i'll impression. just say it i'll just say it you should know this is the strangest thing i have ever done it's such a good line i love that scene i love the frying pan i just i think it's amazing but this is coming from a kid who at one point i saw um Wilma on the Flintstones wake Fred up by hitting him with a frying pan. So I took my toy frying pan and I woke my dad up that way. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I'm like in tuned to frying pan as a weapon. (laughs) Well, then clearly you do think that it's the best thing to ever happen. Yes. It's, you know, it is interesting whenever Disney has violence. It always brings up a question in the back of my head, like, is my kid going to do this? Is he going to think this is okay? And that is, like, totally, like, the incredibly PC helicopter mob side of me questioning that On the other hand, I will say that they use cast iron frying pans in this film, so it's not an illegitimate concern. Those things do damage. And I also think that you'd have to be in some pretty decent physical shape to be able to swing one around like Flynn and Rapunzel do. They're heavy. (laughs) And unwieldy. They are. I mean, well, we did see Rapunzel bash herself in the face with it when she was trying to be slick back at the tower. (laughs) Okay, so we have Rapunzel and Flynn, and they escape into the flooding cave and Flynn reveals his real name, Eugene Fitzherbert. I love it, Eugene Fitzherbert. And like <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can see why you changed I would change your name. My name too. I would change my name too. In the same way that they're sharing secrets, Rapunzel remembers that her hair glows, like which you want to strangle her for prior to but- this, but Step it back a second. At that point, uh, Eugene Fitzherbert explains to Rapunzel where he came from. He grew up in an orphanage, and Flynn Rider was a character out of a book that he read. And so you can see where Flynn has maybe created his motivations. The whole, his dream being on an island on my own, surrounded by enormous piles of money he specifically recalls that as being 
Flynn Rider was rich. He didn't have to worry about money. The Flynn Rider character was rich. He didn't have to worry about money. And he was kind of a, you know, a man who did his own thing and didn't take care of anybody else. And... Rapunzel so does ask she's if, if he was also a thief. To which he responds, well, no, actually, he had a lot of money. So for him, for Flynn, then I think that we have to see that he equates money with freedom. Right, absolutely. Which is mm-hmm. not an unreasonable thing when no. you're poor right. and you... I mean, in an orphanage, we'll take potential socioeconomic things out of the equation entirely and just assume a modern-day orphanage is not a place you want to live either. Right. So, it couldn't I mean, have been a good existence. Right. Even in this idyllic kingdom. Right. It was not. still. Right. No. It was still poverty. It was still right. real heartbreaking so I have Rudgery. to say that that's, that's actually a decent amount of fleshed out background for a character in a Disney movie who is not the main character princess. You don't typically get that kind of background motivation on a character. And it does at least, if it doesn't justify why Flynn has done the things that he's done, it at least explains that. Exactly. Yeah, it explains. And maybe it means that he can change. <laughs> we'll see. We we'll can see. change him. He's too attractive to not be able to be changed. But that's exactly <laughs> what we're saying here. Are, is, right. Does he change himself? I don't know. Or... Did you hear my voice just go up like three octaves? It did. Like <laughs> like you were uh, talking about your schoolgirl crush over there. <laughs> we could change him. So Rapunzel sings her song because she finally remembers that her hair glows. I mean, I I give Rapunzel, we cut her some slack. It's been a long day. She's just left the tower. And like, for all we know, all she's seen her hair do is make Mother Gothel young. She may not know like the No, no, she knows it glows. She knows it glows. (laughs) This is... It, it, this is a long day. That's that's what we chalk this up to. <laughs> so then they hide in the forest, and they're you know starting to bond with each other. And Eugene goes off to get some wood, and Gothel shows up, and says, "I thought he'd never leave. Are you ready to go back home now?" And Rapunzel says, "No, I'm not ready to go at all." And they argue. Gothel sings a little bit. Is this... So I completely forgot that this scene existed until I rewatched it this weekend. Is this the spot where she sings Rapunzel Knows Best? Yes. Okay. So she turns the mother's knows, Mother Knows Best right. song. Yeah. And, and, and what she's saying here is that you've had this little taste of freedom, so obviously your 17 and a half years of experience mean mm-hmm. nothing in the face of my hundreds of years worth of experience. Right. And there's a really interesting part here where as a parent, 
it's so easy for me to see the line. The line between what is reasonable parenting and what is just absolute self-centered narcissism. And with your kids, there has to be a point where you have to be willing to let them go. You have to be willing to let them go out and make these mistakes on their own, even if it's right. painful, even if mm -hmm. it's... For Gothel, it's obviously about Rapunzel leaving the nest because she's taking her magic hair with her. Right. But as a representation of the larger issue, which is why I think this movie is so important for kids to watch, is the idea that at some point in time, you do need to go. You do need to go and explore the world, and it's going to possibly be painful. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay with that. As a right. parent, you have to be okay with letting them go, too. So Gothel decides to give Rapunzel the crown and she says that she can use it to test Eugene's faithfulness. And I think Rapunzel, I don't know if she questions whether or not he's in love with her yet or not. But again, since this is the ultimate love saves all kind mm -hmm. of love story, we wait and then we go to the kingdom of Corona where we do the hair braiding thing with the flowers, which is very cute and adorable. I wish I had an awesome braid full of flowers. I mean, that is beautiful. It really is stunningly gorgeous. <laughs> Although, you to have that much hair, like, oh, so those little girls. Oh, her head must hurt all right? the time. <laughs> How much does all that hair weigh? How did... I, you know... To back it up a little bit, I have wondered throughout their whole journey from the tower to the kingdom, I have a lot of questions about her hair during that time. Because <laughs> you'll right? see so There's many times no it's just like trailing back. Where it. are the twigs? There's exactly. There's no dirt. There's no, like, did she stop? Did they stop in the forest? Did and just she comb it every 20 fly? minutes? Right. <laughs> Where are the tw like the hundred strokes or whatever you know you're supposed to brush yeah, it for hundred strokes? Yeah, I want to strokes, see. Right? I want to see the artist repre representation of the realistic way her hair would look after this journey. It looked <laughs> nasty, is what it looked like. I mean, really nasty. So we don't see the twigs in it. We just get the pretty flowers. <laughs> And then we have the dancing and the whole... It's when he falls in love with her. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And then we finally get to... He decides to take her on the cruise. To and see the lanterns. You wrote in the prep notes for this one that this is the best scene ever in modern Disney. And I'm so glad we agree because... <laughs> It's just it's so perfect. pretty. It's beautiful. It's if I was the kind of person who, who would hang giant pieces of Disney art on my wall, this would be this the piece would be that the I would one. Hang. This would be the one. It's just... And so, a very romantic scene, too. And they sing that song to each other. But I have to say, this was a movie I watched probably countless times before I had my son. And so I developed, like, a feeling for the scene in that sense. 
and this was probably one of the first times I actually like sat down and watched it and paid attention since then and the whole lead up to that with the king and the queen bringing their lantern yeah. out and oh my god did that just gut punch me this go around like so I I'm was... calling it I'm calling it Briar's blubber ability scale Okay, a five on the scale is up, in which I start crying approximately 30 seconds into the film and then cry the remainder of the movie. Okay. This is also why I haven't seen Inside Out, because I suspect it's a five on this scale. Okay. I think this one comes in really at at least a solid four. I was going to say, this scene is a four for a parent. So, my third child was a full term stillbirth and there's really there's nothing more painful than losing a child and for these parents I mean they're the king and queen but here they're parents and their child was visibly stolen from in front of them so she we hear Rapunzel cry and we see Gothel on the balcony so they have stolen this child from them they have no idea if she's alive. Right. They have n- no idea for 18 years. Right. And they keep up this vigil every year on her birthday. Well, of course they do. Yeah. Of course and, they do. And the amount of emotion that they convey in this mo- in this scene in all without scenes, a single without word. Without a single they word don't of dialogue. Speak n- n- until the end. Do they no, speak at the they end? Don't speak they don't speak the, at the no, end. No, neither either. one of these characters do such, are speaking characters. Another thing I noticed about this movie is every time a character cries, they actually get red eyes in this movie. They get red eyes. Their yeah. cheeks flush. There's yeah. actual visual appearance right. of tears. And I, maybe that is what like pulls those strings so hard with that because it is like you can you can relate to it as if somebody was crying right in front of you when you get those visual cues. It's less of a cartoon reaction and more of a realistic reaction. I mean, they certainly, even if they're not deliberately trying to pull the heartstrings, it's certainly, as a parent, this scene is very difficult to watch. She's, the love story part of it is almost an aside for me. It's the story of the parents and the child, and that she's been gone, and now she's back. And she had this dream, and now it's been fulfilled. There's just, this whole sequence is just Did perfect. you notice that at one point, she, like, lifts a lantern up that's almost hitting the gra- the water? Yes. And it's their lantern. It's their lantern. It's the lantern. king and queen's lantern, and I was like, oh, Disney. Oh, just give me one more tears. time. All the tears. Oh, my gosh, this scene. So but you also, also told me, yes, the swing. So tell so me this, more. The whole movie was, I believe this was Disney's first step out of um, traditional animation. And they used this as like a transition between transitional and CGI. And so their whole concept of the design of the style of this was a CGI film that looked like traditional animation. And they styled it off of um, the Rococo painting, The Swing, 
by, let me look at my pronunciation guide on this, Jean-Henri Fragonard. I do not have an art background, so please forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) You have more of a background than I do here, so you're doing great. So his most, I guess, famous painting is The Swing, which you may be familiar with because it is in the movie Frozen when Anna is singing her song about... um, her I Wish song, the uh, the song about the whole palace opening up and she's dancing oh, right, and singing right. with, like, through the castle. She at one point jumps up and that's the swing. Oh, okay. I know exactly. It's also in Frozen Fever. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So that's, and if, the, you know what, if that's not the swing, that's one of his other paintings, and it's his paintings are very indicative of that style. So Rococo style, in general, is very much not straight lines. It's curved lines and flowing lines and natural lines. And if you look at this movie and you know that, you'll notice that even, like, in the way the crowds move during the lantern scene, mm-hmm. it's very swirling. Like, it's, um, it's referential to that sun pattern mm-hmm. that is the kingdom's pattern. Like, the way that the crowds move in that lantern scene is very swirling, like that pattern. And from my very brief investigation into Rococo style, it appears that that is referencing it. But the colors and the... Um, the just all of the art style in this is meant to reference that style and specifically that artist. So I think that's why we get this beautiful um, scene with the lanterns and the castle and the water and it's just, it's meant to be mimicking a painting and it looks like a painting. I also like this note that you leave here, that it lost out on the Golden Globe for Best Original Song to the song from Burlesque. I don't Christ- even know, yeah. Uh, Christina you- Aguilera. Okay. And it's not that it's a terrible movie. It's actually, I don't know it's a song. pretty good song. <laughs> it's a pretty good song. Is Cher on it? Cause isn't Cher she in is okay. in that movie, yes. But is she on the song that won? No, she's not on uh. that song. I don't know, So, guys. it's... I, I don't know. <laughs> Who am I to say? I will say it maybe had been a tough sell because it's pretty obvious that Zach Levi is not a singer. Nobody does so well. <laughs> I mean, I realize he is not a trained singer. And that song is... It's, but, it, but he does good. He's so cute. <laughs> I don't know. I may be partial because I loved Chuck. Like, yeah. I loved that show. I have always thought Zach was adorable, whether he was this dude with a big nose or <laughs> an accidental spy. It's always it's always just worked for me. <laughs> okay, so finally, Rapunzel gives Eugene the crown. And they realize they've fallen in love. And Eugene sees the Stabbingtons on the shore. So he goes to give them the crown. And then they tie him to a boat and confront Rapunzel and tell her that he's left with the crown. Yeah. She, I think, I don't actually think she ever really believes that he left her. But I think that she can't 
I mean, there's no real way to parse the evidence with what right. she's seeing visually, but I don't actually think she ever really disbelieves him. Right, right. I think I agree, and I think that Gothel showing up moves her in a direction she wouldn't necessarily have gone to had that not been the course of events. Right. If she hadn't shown up right then, I think she would have continued to either yell it for him or mm-hmm. try and go after him in some right. way. I don't believe that she would have allowed that to be the end there because I think she would have sensed that he was himself in some danger. At this point right. in time, I think they know each other well enough to say, you know, it's the love conquers all trope here. But I do actually think that that would have been the case. I agree. So she goes back because... Well, for- Gothel comes and incapacitates the Stabbington brothers. Right. Which is just unbelievable. And if we're going to present that she has magical powers, this is where I'm going to give you the evidence of her magical powers. (laughs) How does she take out these two guys? So they show her with like a big stick. Yeah. A club is maybe even stretching it a little bit, I think. So she knocked them over the back of the head, maybe. But really... But two of them? Right. And she got the jump on both of them. I mean... I'm just... She's got magic of some sort. Right. I think I'm going with you on that. (laughs) So then they... So she takes Rapunzel back to the tower... And Rapunzel realizes that she is the lost princess. In a very, like, Sherlock Holmes scene where she's putting the pieces together in flashes and highlights of all her art all over. It's really cool, too, to see all of the places where she almost painted a sun but didn't. But she realizes she's the long-lost princess and... She confronts Gothel, and Gothel says, so it's the, all right, now I'm the bad guy line. Mm -hmm. So, at the same time, Eugene is sentenced to hang, and Maximus goes and gets the ducklings. Do they say he is sentenced to hang? It's... Clearly inferred. And so when I was rewatching this, I thought I had the memory of you actually seeing. You do. The noose and stuff, you do. do, Okay. You do see the gallows. The gallows is there, and you can see the noose, and it's obvious that that's That's where they're taking. The ducklings help him escape because Maximus has has gone to get them. And And he knows it's coming because he sees the ceramic unicorn. Yes, the ceramic (laughs) unicorn. So great. And then my favorite part when he's getting ready to be shot into the air. Okay. Yes. Elbows in. Knees apart. Knees apart. Why knees apart? (laughs) And so they go to the tower and Eugene climbs up Rapunzel's hair, which is, in fact, the only time the line, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down yeah. your hair, is used you in the film. You couldn't make the movie without having that line. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. Just like you can't have Romeo and Juliet without Romeo, oh, Romeo, wherefore, wherefore art, art thou? thou, Romeo. You can't have it. <laughs> 
It just doesn't work. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Which he climbs up, and he never did before, so he should have no. known. I mean, she pulled him up. Or yeah. in the original fairy tale, what gives it away is that she says to Mother Gethel, why are you so much heavier yeah. than the prince who I, I have been that's... pulling up with my hair? Doesn't he get... Does he? Does she pull him up the first time? Or he climbs up with, like... Stuff, he, he he climbs up with his knives, I think, mm-hmm. and and that's how he breaks into the tower. Mm-hmm. And Rapunzel agrees to go with Gothel. Then, if okay, so Eugene comes in, and Gothel stabs him, and Gothel stabs him, and Rapunzel says that she'll always fight, but mm-hmm. if she's allowed to heal Eugene. Mm-hmm. She will submit, and Eugene here. And here's where we're at. So Eugene wants Rapunzel to be free, and he cuts off her hair instead. She's and he gives her an to, amazing haircut, by the way. Right, like perfectly perfect, PC and just. Right? I wish I could have that haircut. At any point in time, I would take Rapunzel's hair. Whether it was the long and blonde stuff or the short and brown stuff, it doesn't matter. Even, it's all better than my hair. It's all better than my hair. Even her infant hair. I would even take her even infant her hair. infant hair with that cute little bang that she had. Yeah. It was so great. So Eugene cuts her hair, which means he can't. She can't save him. But it also means she's worth nothing now to Gothel, who climbs out of a hatch that we didn't know was there what no that was that was earlier when she was breaking back into the tower oh was it back in okay when oh was, you're right yeah she I'm was sorry. breaking back into the tower after she had met maximus in the forest so no this time we have pascal tripping her out yes. the window which pretty she- much i mean best Sidekicks ever, right? Yes, they really are. Between the, best the two of them? of the Disney sidekicks. Without speaking a word between them, they are supportive and helpful, and they keep the plot moving, and they and are... And they kill the bad guy, which is, yes. let's say, that's important so that our, our main hero and heroine don't have to kill the bad guy. Yes. They, they, they managed to You're get right. the entire yep. film without blood on their hands. Mm-hmm. So that's great. The blood on our hands belongs to the chameleon. So a it's chameleon. fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. A non-speaking chameleon. A non-speaking chameleon. And as she falls, she turns to dust. And then I guess we fashioned a rope out of Rapunzel's braid. And then... No, they probably just went... In that hatch that they just realized was there. If they realized it was there. It doesn't matter. They escaped. It's fine. They go (laughs) home. They meet the king and queen who are overjoyed. Wordlessly overjoyed. Mm -hmm. Wordlessly. Speechlessly overjoyed. Everybody hugs and and it's great. envelop Rapunzel in that hug that is just... That also has me going. Yes. I cry a lot there too. And then they call Eugene over, and mm-hmm. he's a part of it, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so then Eugene wraps up the story. Right. And explains that the kingdom party for a week after, and 
he's been asking for years and years and years to marry her, which I like. I like that they didn't. Disney's like, yeah, no, these people they didn't get married right away. They didn't they get waited married right away. Because you're Although, 17 and 18 or 18. 18 theoretically, <laughs> but uh, all right, we have to discuss it though. It does like does this relationship redeem him? Yes or no? Well, here's the thing. You have a whole lot more Flynn Rider in the Tangled TV show. <laughs> I have not watched the Tangled TV show. Don't I've only make watched, me watch the Tangled TV show. I've only watched TV a little show. bit, so maybe that helps him become a better person. Maybe. <laughs> is that is that in between... The wedding and the the end of the movie? Or when does the TV show take place? It's between the movie and Tangled Ever After the wedding. Rapunzel okay. magically regains her hair in between. She must lose it again at some point. She, she must, have because she wedding. has brown hair in the yeah. wedding. Um, so even without the TV show, I'm willing to say that in those years between there is some amount of growing that happens and maybe that's why Rapunzel isn't like let's get married right away you still have to mature as a person Flynn Rider or Eugene Fitzherbert what are we going by these days we're we're going by Eugene Fitz she calls him Eugene yeah she calls him on Eugene when she calls him on all of his shit I notice like (laughs) Eugene Get over yourself. (laughs) Whether or not he actually does is more of a question. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to take it and say that those years in between are time for them both to grow as people. Okay. I'll accept it. I'll accept it. So we're going to have a regular segment called, Can You Wear This Halloween Costume? In this case, this yes, week, absolutely. it's easy to answer. Yes, that's all of one. these costumes appropriate a wave. Yep, all of absolutely. them. Any, all of them, they're fine. You can yep. wear all of these <laughs> costumes. <laughs> you can even be Maximus if you want. Maximus would be such a great costume. But you have to carry a frying pan. No matter which costume you choose. Really, that is probably standard accoutrement for all of them. The frying pan. Whether you have the lawn blonde wig or not, you gotta have the frying pan. Alright, out of five, give us your grade for this movie. I would say that this one is a four and a half. I don't have any major issues with it, but it's not perfect. Okay, all right, I'll bite. What would have made it perfect? Um, more musical numbers, which is something I will say about most <laughs> Disney movies. And I I don't know. For me, for me it's that we don't get Rapunzel's new dream. We don't get it either of their new dreams. So, I mean, they fall in love well, no, and that's they say, great. No, they, they say at the end, you're yeah, my you're dream. You're my new dream. That's great. Mm. And <laughs> I... Not enough for you? As the mother of a 17-year-old? Yeah. Fuck no, it's not enough for me. I'm sorry. You would rather... 
You would rather Rapunzel says, you're my dream, but I'm also going to become a lawyer. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to hear from that line of dialogue. And this is this is a problem for me just overall with Disney. Why, why are they always princesses? When are we going to have the Disney average Joe guy gets to, I mean... Is it Mulan, an average show? Mm, yes, but that movie has so many other problems. Yes, additional issues. <laughs> I got <laughs> too many to count. We'll never be a five, <laughs> right? Like, like, but you do, you do make a good point. Mulan is an average princess, but she's... Tiana, Tiana is mm, an average. Okay, show. that's better. That's better but I mean really most of them are princesses and I have a real hard time with the ones that aren't are like little match girls and they end up dead on the side of the road oh my god I don't even want to talk about that short let's (laughs) talk about heartstrings I I think I think overall I'm gonna go with four because okay. while I have problems with this movie on the princess level, as a study in narcissism, I think all kids should like, this should be required viewing. You should know what this looks like, because if you know as a kid what narcissism looks like, you may have an easier time avoiding it. Narcissists are... Again, I'm probably very biased with my familial history here, but I feel it's an important lesson for kids to learn that you have to care about other people. You can't just care about yourself. You can't just worry about your own self-interest. You have to care about other people. It's that simple. We are just getting our social media started. But you can find us everywhere at Latchkey Movies. I think so far we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and... Gmail. Oh, Gmail. Latchkeymovies at gmail.com, baby. You got it. (laughs) And as we move forward, we're going to start plugging in your children's opinion. Please do call and leave us a message. The phone number is 402-885-4875. And just record your kid talking about their favorite movie for about 30 seconds. And we would love to plug that into a future episode. And please do review us on iTunes. I have no idea how this works. I have left maybe one iTunes review in my entire life, but I'm asking you if you're listening now still to this thing here, please go tell iTunes how much you love us. (laughs) And while you're telling people you love us, why don't you go ahead and tell a couple of your friends this week. Just say, hey, I've listened to this really awesome new podcast. It's called Latchkey Movies. You should listen to it, too. We'd appreciate it. We would love you forever and ever if you did. Have a great week, y'all. See y'all later. Bye.